Hey guys and gals, this is atypical of me doing because I like to stick with a very strict posting schedule, but because of the nature of this episode, I want to reveal for you all my exclusive exit interview with now former Interior Secretary David Bernhardt, who I spoke to actually for the first time about a year and a half ago when I went to the Department of Interior to have a sit-down interview with him since he was recovering with COVID and I assume he's back home in Colorado. We were unable to do an in-person interview, which I was kind of upset about, but it's okay. It's just the time we're in, but he really wanted to sit down with me remembering our conversation and just talk about some things on his mind, some accomplishments from the last four years across his two roles. First, he was Deputy Interior Secretary, and after his boss, Secretary Zinke, resigned in late 2018, he soon climbed up the ranks in the agency, and after a little bit of a delay and following Senate confirmation, he eventually rose to the top of the agency and served in that role for almost two years. April would have been two years. But anyway... Here is my exclusive exit interview with Secretary Bernhardt. You can also catch it on YouTube and a amalgamation of it on townhall.com. Check it out. Let me know what you think. Well, let me, before I begin, uh, let, let me tell you, thank you very much for coming in the office uh, and doing that visit. I really appreciated it. Um, and I appreciate uh, the work that you do. I think I follow most of your articles. So, uh, when Nick suggested visiting with you, I said, that's great. That's great. Um, yeah. You know, I think um, this president has had some incredible accomplishments when you look at the enact for recreation and for true conservationists. I mean, when you look at he single-handedly delivered the great uh, American Outdoors Act, that thing was dead uh, without him stepping forward and saying, let's do it. And then, you know, driving Congress to introduce legislation and then pass it. I think that will be one of his biggest legacies in uh, certainly in the recreation space. And then, you know, the efforts that we made here of expanding hunting and fishing, um, you know, I think we've now opened over, um, you know, four million acres to um, new opportunities or expanded opportunities. Um, we, we just are finalizing um, concession policies for fish that I think will lead to other um, better recreational opportunities in the future in parks. Um, we've done so much for public access. Um, we've driven hard on, um, you know, promoting um, the opportunity to ensure that, you know, with the Dingle Act now, um, land is open um, to hunting uh, unless it's unless it's posted. Um, you know, we've set a clear policy that all exchanges of land or transfers or uh, sales need, we need to think about the recreation and access component, um, before we make those changes. And I think those things will all stand the test of time. So I'm really, um, uh, as we come to a close here, I'm, you know, in reflection, really, um, believe I was fortunate to work with the president who, um, you know, wanted to be, uh, you know, really set a positive, um, a positive position for stewardship conservation, working with states, focusing on hunters and anglers and 
recreational activities, and he's done that in a way that's really going to be second to none over time, I think. Yeah, I'm, I'm probably one of the few in media who can see that with a clear head. <laughs> exactly. And, <laughs> well, that's, that's completely true. If you guys had four more years, what would have been your priorities? What would you have focused on? Um, well, I think I think uh, a big priority would have been implementing the Great American Outdoors Act, um, making sure that that $900 million a year for the Land and Water Conservation Fund got out and was distributed on time and properly, and then really use that money to take care of our parks and um, infrastructure at our wildlife refuges, and then really focused on ensuring that we were serving the people better uh, with these uh, great opportunities. And so that would have been a clear focus. Um, uh, it's one of those obvious focuses. You know, first terms, in my opinion, are, you know, you spend a lot of time um, – you spend a lot of time addressing um, some of the prior administration's work. You know, I call that pulling weeds and then you're planting seeds, but those seeds really take root and grow and flourish really, um, you know, in the third, fourth, you know, and then, and then in that second term, if there is one. And so I think you would have seen, um, you know, real uh, tangible results of our uh, collaboration, uh, with the states uh, working well on the landscape, you would have seen the results of driving forward with a very thoughtful approach to, uh, you know, the management of our forests and of our rangelands, um, addressing catastrophic wildfire. And then you also would have begun to see the results of our common sense regulatory uh, changes. And so I really think that's what you would have seen. And you know, now um, some of those will be um, items for debate um, to discuss, you know, should they continue, should they not. Um, the one thing I would say about the recreation and conservation work we've done, a lot of it has very significant bipartisan support. So, you know, um, I think that that um, those efforts like the Great American Outdoors Act, the, um, you know, expansion of public access opportunities, it really would be my view that those should um, stand the test of time, but but time will tell. Yeah, because I, I remember reading that, I think, um, I forget which agency in Interior was going to absorb the Forest Service. Uh, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I remember there were plans about that. Uh, we would certainly... That's think right. I think he had that as a plan. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if that was yeah. you or if that was uh, Zinke. Um, but also, yeah, we would have probably yeah. seen um, perhaps what the impact from moving BLM out west to Grand Junction, Colorado would have so been. So that, that, that's right. Yeah. That, that, that is, that's one you really would have seen how our approach to having folks focus in the west. Now, I actually think that they're likely to keep the vast majority of folks in the west. And so, you know, they, they may say things, um, they may bring back some headquarters staff, but um, my bet is the vast majority of the folks and jobs that have gone west stay west. That would be my expectation, honestly. Interesting. Um, do you think you could have done a few things better? Any any policies or perhaps secretary orders that you wished probably were done a little differently or maybe you wish you would have communicated things a little differently? Well, I, I think that... Um, you know, I think that one of the things, 
Well, I think I think one of the big things um, that's out there is, um, you know, I think that um, the uh, crescendo of opposition against anything uh, from the Trump administration, uh, whether it was a good idea or, or maybe a less than good idea, uh, received the same merit of consideration by um, the opposition and the radical, um, uh, thought, you know, radical advocacy groups. And I think that that um, heightened ultra um, um, partisan sniping, you know, probably did mean that that um, it was harder to do stuff than than otherwise, and even very non non controversial things uh, could get a lot of attention. Um, but the flip side of that is, I think we had a president who was willing to stand forward and lean forward for his policy objectives, and I think he was very um, incredibly helpful at providing that leadership and letting us move forward, uh, even in uh, an era where, um, you know, there was hyper, uh, hyper partisanship. And, um, you know, I think that we owe a great deal of um, our progress uh, to his leadership style. Yeah, especially as being a non-sportsman, a lot of people I talked to out West across the firearms industry, hunting, fishing, shooting sports, even people who didn't necessarily support him. They were very astonished to hear that all these advancements were made under you and your uh, predecessor, Zinke, um, just because I think people recall back to the Obama years when so many conservation stakeholders were shut out of the conversation. They never really had a say at the table. That's right. And, and that's what I focused that's on right. in my reporting. Not so much, you know, patting the back of the administration, but I, I felt that so many of my colleagues in media didn't do that. And, and that's so dishonest. Like you have to set aside your personal beliefs to accurately report information. But you talk to anyone, I think, uh, who are um, you know working and living off the land, who have a small business that revolves around outdoor recreation, you talk to them and, and you'll hear a different opinion, I think, from most people on the Acela Corridor and, and Washington. And I want to ask you um, a few things about kind of the future and how you feel or, or if you have any feelings about perhaps the transformation of the agency, kind of your worries potentially. Um, but something I've seen floated around, which is really interesting, it's probably going to gain traction with your um, successor, I believe, or who, um, if she does get confirmed, uh, Deborah Hallen. But something I've seen floated around by Aspen Institute or Aspen Ideas and also a little bit with Senator Martin Heinrich in October, uh, they're floating this idea of moving away from the multiple use management principle for BLM and other public lands uh, to kind of this public use model. Uh, do you have any concerns with that? And, and do you worry that would be pushed um, after you leave your post? So I would have to say, honestly, Gabriella, I haven't reviewed that proposal, so I'm not familiar with it. Um, uh, you know, the, the, there is an effort um, by a number of people to try and read into the concept of multiple use um, concepts that have nothing to do with multiple use. Um, and, and, you know, BLM land in particular is a land of many uses. Congress has already um, defined some of those areas as wilderness areas within those lands. And, you know, my, my view is as long as, con you know, if Congress wants to change um, the lands that are there, 
Um, they have the power to do that and, and put whatever management regime they want. And my view has always been that, you know, Congress needs to do whatever work it does. And then the Secretary of the Interior and the Department's job is to um, take that law and, you know, faithfully and well implement it. And, um, you know, if Congress wants to say all BLM land is wilderness area, that has a tremendous consequence. It would destroy the hopes of certain communities. Um, but, you know, it's Congress's property. And if they want to do that, they can do that. My, my view is if, if you want to make that change, it just needs to go through the congressional proper process. And there has to be a full articulation and debate. And, you know, my view has always been that I wanted to listen very closely to what the people on the ground um, of an area um, thought of a particular proposal, what what the governor and the senators of an area thought uh, about a particular proposal. And if you look at the president, um, you know, many of his actions really um, occurred on public lands issues when the governor and the the senators of a particular state were aligned. Um, there was lots of consternation about bears ears um, where you look at that and say, okay, um, there's, you know, that was somewhat controversial, but the flip side of it is it's something that the, the governor and the state, the, the governor and the state's uh, Senate delegation felt really, really strongly about. And you can look at, you know, the same um, alignment, in Florida, uh, where the president says, hey, um, we're going to extend uh, for 10 years, you know, around Florida and up to South Carolina, um, a moratorium on uh, on uh, new leasing. And when you look at, well, how did those things line up? They lined up, they lined up perfectly because for the president, because that governor and those senators felt very strongly and he felt very, you know, he was he was somebody that when that alignment was there, he was going to work hard to accede to their positions if he had the authority to do that. And I think that that's a good perspective. You know, different parts of the country, um, you know, obviously these are all our public lands, but where I grew up in western Colorado, you know, the decisions a local land manager made didn't only have have an impact on that local land manager and the people who might visit a few times from um, particular locales, but it had a tremendous impact on the hopes and dreams of that community. You know, that community loved uh, recreational activity and loved that it was a place to, for people to come uh, to hunt on BLM land. But at the same time, they needed um, the economic opportunity that came from some of the BLM land being utilized for um, more uh, conventional development activities. And it took both uh, to sustain that community. And they wanted that, and their hopes counted on that. And if somebody came in and just said, we're only going to do one thing or another, and not really gone through the process of, of ensuring that their multiple use was available, that, that could be a challenge. But I honestly don't know anything about um, uh, Martin's, uh, Senator Heimrich's, uh, proposal. And, you know, he tends to be thoughtful and creative. Yeah. I was just curious to pick your thoughts 
And um, yeah, I think I've seen some bills already introduced in Congress uh, to tackle access, but kind of relating to the Antiquities Act. I think Congress and I think the department were maybe looking to kind of modernize the Antiquities Act because of the Bears Ears Grand Staircase and Escalante issue. Um, but people forget. And That's right. I, yeah, and, and I recall uh, the Brookings Institution actually writing kind of a nuanced piece about the presidential powers assigned to the Antiquities Act and how actually a president can either revoke or expand upon it. Um, I mean, true to form, your presidents are only supposed to section off like small tracts of land. I'm merely paraphrasing section two of it. But I remember um, that could be interpreted in, in multiple ways. But also many presidents uh, before this one had actually shrunken national monuments. And I think people forget that That's um, true. Sometimes, with, sometimes with these designations, you actually um, prevent or exclude, let's say, hunters and anglers from accessing it. Uh, people don't know that. Very much so. I've done my best. Dumb That's right. Um, but how come that wasn't really conveyed in this? And, and do you think people will tackle this? Maybe Congress? Um, will your successor? So I, you know, I think um, from my perspective, what we did is we laid out Secretary Zinke in his report, laid out the criteria that should be used to um, make a monument determination designation. Um and it had, you know, local input and things like that. And it, it was part of the report he gave the president um, of, of what needed to be done. The question of can you change the Antiquities Act by Congress, you know, my view on that is uh, has always been that I've always been unsure whether a president would allow that to happen because it's a limitation on presidential authority, right, um, to change it. It's a very broad statute. And if you change it, it really takes a president who's willing to do that. I think President Trump was willing uh, to to make some changes. Um, but, you know, I can also tell you that I, did, I don't think um, President George W. Bush was willing to. So I don't know, you know, what the next president will think or if every any future president would say, um, look, I think we should limit my arguable authority in some way. And that's that's really the question that would be presented when the president goes to sign a bill like that. It's a very convoluted um, issue, to say the least. And most people don't want to put their, their mind to it to explain it, extrapolate information. But I'm well, just, uh, yeah, so <laughs> you're, you're right. I mean, part of it is the statute was really designed to, like, protect objects, Right. And so it was designed to say, look, let's protect this object and let's protect it with the minimum um, amount, you know, needed uh, to to provide that protection. And that, um, you know, that then became, from a legal perspective, it becomes a question of how you're defining the object and what are you protecting and things like that. And so in many instances, in the recent era, the Antiquities Act has been utilized as a way to accomplish what it previously failed as a legislative proposal. And that, I think, is really what led uh, to you know, grave concerns uh, from folks like the folks in Utah and other places saying, look, this is a, you know, in their opinion, this was a very big um you know, expansion of authority in an improper way. 
And, um, you know, that, that those are certainly the arguments that they made um, to the president and the president agreed with those arguments and felt strongly that, you know, there could be changes and, and Secretary Zinke proposed those changes. And so, and the president acted on them. So from my perspective, you know, that, um, you know, the executive coming in um, will have a, a, a perspective on that. One of the things that's sort of interesting is if the, I've, you know, if, if you, what you're reading is true, that the executive president-elect plans to undo these and change them and modify them, you know, he'll be acting in a way that, you know, kind of raises some questions about the litigation um, underneath these um, issues. And that'll be interesting to see how that plays out. And another issue I think that many conservationists will be worried about are, uh, one, would be uh, kind of any uh, tinkering with the ESA reforms your agency has made. And I know you guys just put up uh, the rule recently for the gray wolf, and a lot of people were looking forward to further modernization of Endangered Species Act protections. Do you worry that your gray wolf rule is going to hold? Is that going to be legally challenged? I've seen some challenges from radical environmentalists so far, but um, are you worried that? Uh, the yeah, well, obviously, the, the rule will be challenged. And, um, you know, the, the question is, um, I think three different administrations now will have worked to delist the gray wolf. And the question will be, um, does this uh, most recent provision get over the hurdle? And um, I remain optimistic that it will, um, but um, time will tell. The agency's goal was to help, um, and I think Congress has tried to tackle this, especially a lot of Republican members and a few Democrat members. Um, to make it so the law actually works and lives up to its potential of recovering more than two or three percent of listed species. And that's really a shame that um, a lot of people cannot do that and tackle that issue. It, it, it kind of goes against their philosophy of wanting to be for the environment and, and caring about sustainability when they don't want to have that law fully realized. Yeah, I, um, I think that, you know, people... Um, you know, we, we, this administration will have recovered, I think, as we leave, 17 species off, off of the list, which I think is more than any administration in their first term. And so that's, that's a significant number. Um, and, you know, at the end of the day, each of those is a success, right? Because the entire goal of the act is to get to a point where the protections of the act are no longer needed. And there is no question from a scientific perspective with wolves that there are healthy, sustainable populations. And, um, you know, we have a strong view that the states can manage these populations in a way that will not um, subject them to future jeopardy. And so, um, you know, when we did the analysis, it came back and said, good to go. Um, but that's hard uh, for everybody to see at times. And, you know, at the end of the day, the law is there um, to provide that minimum protection and, and get over that hurdle of making the five-factor analysis and determination. We feel very good about that. We'll see where the courts come out on it. What advice would you give to your likely successor, Congresswoman Deb Hallin, in her role? Well, I think, um, you know, I, I think here I've worked for three different secretaries and my um, takeaway from their working for them and, and with me um, serving 
is, you know, every secretary does things a little differently. Um, and, you know, at the end of the day, the secretary has to be guided by three uh, things, in my opinion. Uh, the law, which is, you know, um, whatever it is. The facts, which are whatever they are. And then to the extent that you have discretion under the law um, and it's appropriate, the policy views of the president-elect or the president of the time. And, and so, you know, my view is that as long as you learn the facts and understand the law and the discretion space you have, uh, then you make the best decision that you believe and you articulate that uh, decision and that decision should be sustainable. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, that is the heart of the job. And a lot of questions you get aren't, you know, perfectly on one side or the other. And you have to utilize your judgment in figuring out how to best apply the law and the facts uh, and that policy direction to a given circumstance. And that's what makes this place very, very interesting. That's that's good to know. And uh, a final thing I wanted to ask you, something not as uh, thought-provoking, or not not as thought-provoking, but something more simple. Uh, have you gone into the field recently? Uh, any fishing trips, hunting trips? I think my... Well, I'm glad you asked that because, um, because um, what I've done is on November 3rd, I got uh, a new... I, I have a 12-year-old lab um, that's been my great hunting companion. He's getting a little old. I got uh, on the 3rd of, December, 3rd of November... Uh, after the election, um, that next weekend, my daughter and I, uh, and wife drove out and got a, a second lab. So I've been working that lab, um, pretty hard. Um, I plan to be, uh, in the field as many days as possible between, uh, um, the afternoon of tomorrow until the 31st of January, which is when, uh, um, uh, my, the, the goose season ends. Um, and then I'll, I'm going to spend a good part of the next six months uh, hunting fish. And if you're at liberty to say uh, kind of what your next steps are, are you going to still be involved in public policy as it relates to these issues? Uh, can people expect you to chime in on occasion? Uh, uh, what, what do you plan to do uh, post-administration? So other than thinking about uh, doing some hunting and fishing, um, I've focused on getting this job done and I'll think about all of that when I leave. I haven't given it really any thought. Um, I figure I'll have plenty of time to sit in a duck blind and figure out what I want to do when I grow up. I've had one of the greatest jobs um, um, a person could have working with the president who enabled me to, um, you know, lean forward and get stuff done, who wanted to fix problems and wanted to do great things for conservation. And um, he gave me that opportunity to, to, to push forward. And so I've really appreciated it. Sounds good. Yeah. And if there's any way that I can be of help, um, whether it's cataloging your next steps or if you ever need uh, to sound off in the media, please let me be a resource if I can. And uh, I really think. Well, Gabrielle, I appreciate that. That's very nice of you. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's always good to hear from immediate past uh, secretaries and kind of their thoughts um, on matters. But yeah, like I said, if I can be a resource, uh, let me know and, and have your staff connect with me. Um, and again, I really appreciate it. And I really enjoyed the Christmas party about a year or so ago. That was a lot of fun. Probably one of the <laughs> best DC events I've well, seen. Well, we were going to have a good one. We were going to have a good one on the seventh, the 16th, but I, I, 
for the 17th, but I couldn't make it through COVID. So, um, such, such as, are you recovering? Yeah. I'm just fine. You're good. Okay. That's, that's good to hear. Wonderful. Well, secretary Bernhardt, it's been a pleasure to to interface with you um, in the past in person. And then now through, through this medium and I really appreciate your sentiments and um, your thoughts and, and um, really applaud the work that you've done. I think many people will look back to the last few years and see that a lot of milestones were achieved, and hopefully some of those achievements can be preserved and uh, continue going forward. Thanks a lot, Gabrielle. Bye. Thanks for listening to this very special episode of District of Conservation. I see we have some new reviews rolling in, and when I have access to that or when they upload properly, I will give kudos to whoever left it. Make sure you're following us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to never miss a beat nor a guest announcement. Go check out our past two episodes from earlier this week about what to look forward to politically or not look forward to politically, and also my roundtable discussion with three of the firearm industries experts that I defer to whenever I have questions about what's happening or things that are over my head to discuss. Make sure you leave us some reviews. Let us know what you think. Connect with me on social media. Send in your guest suggestions. Nominate yourself. If you think you have an interesting story, whether or not you work in politics, I talk to everyone across the private and public sector, people who I find interesting and compelling. And if you have a compelling story to tell, I would love to help share it through the podcast. Thank you for listening. Check us out and stay tuned for more episodes as we navigate the political wilderness expected under the Biden administration and narrowly held Democrat majorities in both the House and the Senate.